Welcome into this Five Clubs Conversation. I'm Gary Williams. One of the biggest stories in golf, and it's really been lingering. You go back a couple of years when the Premier Golf League uh, floated the concept of potentially challenging not only the European Tour, uh, but possibly the PGA Tour with alternative opportunities for elite golfers around the world. It simmered for a while. The Premier Golf League, golf League got quiet, uh, and then came the Saudi Golf League what is now known as, as Live Golf. And the CEO of Live Golf is a guy who's a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame, Greg Norman. And much has been made, so much so that we thought maybe that we were going to get a roster of players. There are going to be participants in Live Golf, whatever it was going to be, that included the likes of Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson. Well, a lot has changed. And if you listen to Jay Monahan last week, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, as I said then, uh, a week ago last Tuesday, he sounded like a guy who'd won a battle, just a battle. Uh, now we know that Live Golf has announced their schedule. It's going to be seven events, and then they're going to conclude with the team concept. But the biggest issue, really, that exists with Live Golf is where the money is coming from. And those questions are not easy questions, I'm sure, to answer. I don't know how hard they are necessarily to ask. But we expect to do just that because the man who's going to be joining me is the CEO of Live Golf, and that's Greg Norman. With that, we welcome in the CEO of Live Golf Investments and Live Golf, the, the invitational series, which the launch will come the first full week in June. And that is, of course, Greg Norman. Greg, good morning. Good to see you. Yeah, good morning, Gary. TGIF. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for you, this has been, when I say there's been a long time coming, I don't mean just in the short term. I mean, really, when you consider... The, the thoughts you had going back almost three decades to, to increased opportunity for elite golfers around the world, uh, do you really feel like now this is a reality, that this thing is going to happen? Oh, Gary, no, this is a reality. Yeah, 48 hours ago, like for day, I think day three now, so 72 hours ago, we, we launched, uh, you know, seven, um, launched the whole Live Golf Invitational Series. I think no question about it. Um, I've been a, a staunch supporter of giving players their rights to be able to go play as independent contractors for more than 30 years, actually, from, for maybe 40 years of my entire career. I've always questioned, um, you know, the opportunity of increasing your market value as a player, not just as one of the top players in the world, but right across the board. I think it's in, incumbent on... A, uh, a, a, a senior leader in the game of golf who's been successful, i.e. I was one of those, there's many others have, have been, is to take the responsibility to some degree on how, how do we grow the game of golf, uh, not just professional levels, but in all sectors of the game of golf. And uh, I've been, like I said, I've been a staunch proponent of that. The, um, the idea that, that this thing will happen under, under all circumstances, that first event in June will happen. If, if players are denied releases to play, 
A lot of people have suggested there will be litigation. Now, that might be true. You can tell me otherwise. But this event in June outside of London is going to happen under all circumstance, correct? 100%, Gary. Yep. <clears throat> Look, I'm very confident with the amount of prize money that we've put on the table for eight, of eight, eight invitational events. We will have players coming to play. And nothing would make me happier uh, than you know, changing the life of some young journeyman golfer out there. That's all part of our growing the game, right? Let them have the ability to go out there and experience what it's like to play for that amount of money. And, and like I said, change their lives. Uh, so we will be going ahead in, in June. And if, if the players, it's their choice, Gary. It's their choice. We've given them a pathway. We've given them a new opportunity. We're 100% additive uh, to the game of golf. And uh, we'll just, you know, we, we're, we're a startup and we're just giving, like I said, we're giving this opportunity to players to have a choice of playing both. We're not asking to play one tour or the other. They have a choice to go play both. The, um, you know, I've always thought that access was inspirational. Uh, and, and certainly when, when guys have, have opportunities that wouldn't otherwise be presented to them, uh, if they've been living this dream, trying to keep the dream alive, uh, I think that's part of the essence of professional golf. But, but you know the sustainability of anything at, at, at the highest level, which is an entertainment product, you need stars. How quickly do you need stars to play in this series? Look, like I said, we're a startup, Gary. It's going to take time. There's no question about it. And then we'll see how it all plays out. We are here for the long term. We're not just in and out. Uh, we're, we're, we want to, to grow what we believe live golf can grow. And this is just, you know, this is just the beginning for us, right? I mean, you've seen the investment we've made in the Asian tour. We did that for a reason. We saw that the Asian tour was a sleeping giant. And there's a, there's a wealth of talented uh, individuals all around the world that need to have the chance and exposure to come play. So we're in it for the long haul. You know, we're going to build out and we continue to build out uh, from this point on. Greg, when you talked to a small group of media members the other day, you also you know, did a podcast with, with Colt and Drew. Um, it, you know, one of the things you talked about was the excitement level that, that you had, and I saw you at the Ryder Cup. You were part of the radio broadcast team, and it was, look, you were a captain of the President's Cup. You saw uh, the dynamics of team play. Uh, was that the primary impetus for this, or, or did some of the roots of what the Premier Golf League provide you with the inroads to construct the format of what you want to present to professional golfers and fans alike? Well, look, to answer the latter part of your question first, the PGL has got nothing to do with our initiative. Um, you know, we, we've had this on the forefront of our minds for a long, long period of time. You, you mentioned nearly three decades, right? So, um, you know, so the actual thought process has been there. Um, as for the Ryder Cup, you know, it was just a, an experience that gave me goosebumps, Gary. I mean, I was, you saw it, right? You could see the energy level of, and it was, it was under COVID restrictions too, where a lot of the European fan base couldn't travel over, but it was still electrifying. And uh, we were always going to have an individual and a team concept in our uh, business model. But what accelerated that uh, enthusiasm for me and uh, proved from a fan base standpoint, this is what fans are looking for, was the Ryder Cup. I mean, I, that's the first time I'd ever experienced it. And walking around there in amongst the crowds, watching the players play, seeing how the teams were reacting with each other, you know, 
I, it was just an, an incredible experience for me. And yes, you're right. I played President's Cup. I captained the President's Cup. But look, they're chalk and cheese, to be honest with you, uh, with the energy level of uh, what what's the difference between the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. And, and really, when we did all our fan research for months and months all around the world, that was the number one outlier where fans were looking for that team excitement. The, um, the team component uh, with the way that this is, is conceptualized is that you'll have four-man teams. You're going to have fields of 48. Will you play events with less than 48 players? Uh, no, we're not planning on it, Gary. Not at all. Okay. The, um, the, the idea of having a, a team championship, which you've got slated for the latter part of October, October 28th to the 30th, um, how can you do that if players don't necessarily play in all the events? How will you do a point system that will create equitability for a, a team concept to come to fruition and to have a culmination at the end if everybody's not in the same fields uh, throughout the entire series? No, that's a great question, Gary, a very logical question. And literally, I got off a, a two and a half hour call with my team this morning just talking about that exact same thing. So, you know, by the time we get to October, um, to that, we'll have it all resolved. And, and we will. We're going to have a draft every week um, about putting the players together on a team. We're going to have a team captain. So, you know, this, there's going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance put around this because, Again, it's all about the entertainment of the sport, as you mentioned, right? So we're going to be tapping into that. So it's a work in progress. You know, one of the things in the letter that you wrote to Jay Monahan is that, that you know, you suggested, you know, you would challenge his ability to deny to that if they deny players the opportunity to play elsewhere, whether it be your initiative, your series or, or other places, that there is room for litigation, are you guys prepared to do just that? If if players want to play, and you suggested the other day when you sent the SEMA to all these players, you got immediate response from, from top players in the world rankings. If they want to play and they can't play, will you go to court over this? Look, I think that's a, that's some, that's a path we really don't want to go down. Obviously, the path we would like to go down is the path to sit down with Jay and his team along with my team and, and see if there's a way of working this thing out because it's for the betterment of the game of golf. You know, Gary, it's no more than that. So um, at the end of the day, we're, like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, we're hundred percent additive to the game of golf. We want to grow the game of golf across all, all sectors and we want to create entertainment for the fans as well too. And uh, you know, our platform does that and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with us, uh, you know, playing in the same sandbox as everybody else in the world of golf. Is, is the PJ tour competition for you? Um, no, it's not competition. Um, look, it's, it's the player's choice, Gary, you know, it's up to them. We've given them an opportunity to go increase their market value as a player. And, you know, as a player myself, um, that's all I wanted to do. I guess from a, uh, when you get on the first tee to the 18th green, yeah, I could hit a, point, a ball, a white ball from point A to point B, better than most. So that gave me the ability to understand what is going on around. And as a player, when you see all that and you see those opportunities, you want to say, okay, how do I pull that in for the players to increase their market value? How do I, how do I give that opportunity to, for them? And, and that's what we've done here. And, uh, 
like I said, it's that player's choice. They, it's up to them if they want to come play either one or play just one. It's, it's totally up to them. If they want to play one uh, tournament in the Live uh, Invitational Series, so be it. If they want to play all seven and get into the uh, team championship at the end, great. You know, you mentioned, you just said that, you know, what the Premier Golf League had nothing to do with what has been in your mind uh, for, for decades. Uh, d- did you read that document that was that was sent to the board through Rory McIlroy as kind of a conduit uh, for what their idea is for a, a, a team series uh, that would kind of augment the fall on the PGA Tour? Did you pay any attention to that? No, I haven't read that document, Gary. I saw it. I saw it come across on... Uh some email, but I haven't done an in-depth read on it. I've got, I've got a few other things on my plate to keep me a little bit busy. The, um, the, you mentioned Jay. Do you have any relationship with him uh, when he was named commissioner even before that? Do you guys have any uh, relationship that goes back anyways? Um, I wouldn't say a relationship. You know, we would communicate from now every now and then um, leading into certain conversations about certain things. So, you know, I always I had a high regard and high respect for Jay, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I put a call into Jay the other day, um, you know, just to say, hey, I'd love to catch up with you and talk to you about, you know, what Live Golf Invitational is all about. Um, I haven't had a response, but, you know, that's okay. That's fine. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not anything personal, right? I mean, like I said, I've always gone on well with Jay that I thought. Um the idea of playing fair business can be rough. Uh, you've been in a lot of businesses throughout, uh, not only during your active career, but, but certainly after your, your, your elite playing career. So, you know, it can be cold. Do you think the PJ tour has played fair with you guys? Oh, look, Gary, look, there's no question. They're throwing obstacles in front of us. You know, I mean, my, my favorite saying is they've just put down giant redwood tree right across our road uh, as an obstacle, hey, it is what it is, right? And you're right. I mean, when when people come out with a with a new idea and a new opportunity for other players to, or other individuals to take advantage of, and to increase their market value, we'll work around those obstacles um, because, well, like I said, we are additive to the game of golf. Golf is great for the world, right? There's no question about it. I've seen it. So um, we as a team. Uh, whenever those obstacles were put down, and like I said, the PGA Tour definitely threw down obstacles um, uh, for us. We've worked our way around it. And that's why when we launched, uh, we launched with a lot of confidence, and a lot of belief about executing on our model. And we will continue to execute on our model no matter what gets thrown in front of our, on our path. Greg, was the initial objective uh, to, to lead and, and introduce with a roster as opposed to just the schedule? Uh, look, no question. Yeah, I just touched on that. We've, we've, had to, we've had to pivot to a little degree because of what the PGA Tour did, creating those obstacles. We have pivoted. Um, we've had changed a little bit. And I think that actually, quite honestly, I think it's much better because as a startup, we're going to feel our way into it, right? And having eight invitational, uh, uh, seven actually, and then the, the team championship, at uh, $25 million prize money, I think it's a very, very compelling and great story for the game of golf. The, um, the most damaging thing, from my point of view, that has happened to you were the comments that Phil Mickelson made last November that were released roughly a month ago on that weekend at Riviera. I thought it was, I thought it was 
uh, I mean, did irreparable harm. Now, you can say it's not irreparable. Look at where we are. Uh, how damaging were the comments? Uh, look, Phil's entitled to his opinion, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I, I feel sad for Phil. I think he hurt himself. I think he hurt the game of golf. Um, you know, I've been reading the comments, you know, posts that were off the record, on the record. Who knows, right? The, the, they're out there. And, you know, for me, I just, I look, I look into the future. I don't look into the past, Gary. And, uh, you know, we've dealt with those issues. We've understood those issues. I've spoken to Phil as recently as yesterday or two days ago, actually. So, um, you know, you move on, you move forward. And look, there's, there's everybody on this planet, not one person who hasn't said something they wish they had never said. And uh, so you got to look, like I said, you look into the future and you don't live in the past. For, for, for whatever you're willing to share, what was the subject of the conversation you had with him? And is he a part of your team? Is he committed to being a part uh, of Live Golf? Look, we had a very open conversation as player to player. As a matter of fact, he sent me a text right after when he heard one of my podcasts and said, Greg, that was brilliant. You know, and, and when you have communication like that from a player to player, you completely understand. And like I said to Phil, I said, Phil, you always will have an open door to the game of golf. And Gary, Phil has done a lot for the game. Um, he is, he's got a fan base that's second to maybe one other player. Right. He's he's done incredible amount of uh, from a, a OEM and uh, you know, corporate standpoint, from a CSR standpoint. He's been unbelievable. And so, you know, he's made a mistake and he got at the end of the day, um, just allow him the ability to understand where he is today and then move forward. And it's just that type of conversation. Right. And, uh, you know, there's other players in the world that have made you know, you know some pretty damning things in their lives. And, you know, the, the world forgives them and they come back to the game of golf and they perform and, and the fan base love them. And if you look at some of the stats with Phil, 87% of his fan base support him still. So, you know, you start looking at that stuff and, you know, you, again, you look into the future, not in the past. And, and what Phil has done for the game of golf for decades and decades has been phenomenal. So with that being said, do you expect him to play the first event? or at least several of these events in this series? Well, look, I can't speak for Phil or any other player. Or when we send our invitations out, if the players want to accept those invitations and come play, that's when I'll let you know, Gary. Yeah, you know, Greg, one of the things, you know, going back, you know, I, I initially there might have been an announcement that you guys might have had in late November. And then because, from what I understood, you wanted to lead with strength of field. Do, do some players... Um, have binding agreements beyond the opportunity for guys to to just you know come and play in an event or two. Are there players that you presented contracts and which would mean a a true commitment to live golf? And if so, yeah, who are they? No, no, I'm not going to give out any names. But yeah, there are contracts. Uh, there's no question about that. I'm not going to give out any names on that. Um, out of respect for the players and out, out of our confidentiality, of what's going on? Um, so, look, there's been an immense, tremendous amount of interest, Gary, tremendous amount, even today, right, as I wake up in the morning and I get responses uh, uh, from players from around the world uh, to my letter that I sent out to 250 of them. The interest is there. The enthusiasm is there. The understanding is there. The understanding of the opportunity that, we've give, that I'm giving them, that Live Golf is giving them, is there. 
So look, it, you know, time is, we're day three. We're day three on a long journey. So um, as you, you guys will get to see it all and understand it all as, it, as this whole thing evolves. Do you do the negotiation with these particular facilities uh, or do you have somebody that has a primary responsibility of negotiating contracts uh, with these clubs to host these events? Yeah, no, I have an incredible team of over 50 people right now. Um, and I do, Ron Cross is our head of our events. Uh, Ron Cross uh, was with the PGA Tour and, and with, with the Masters. He's head of our events. So he's out there right now on the road um, at, at the events that we, we have. So, I, you know, I have an incredible C-suite team. These guys are the best of the best and girls are the best of the best. And uh, we have meetings six, four to six times a day on everything from events, production, ticketing, team names, all this stuff every day, daily basis. And uh, it's just, in, it's so inspiring to sit back and listen to some of these conversations and the innovation and how we're going to evolve is just incredible. And um, we, like I said, yeah, we have the best of the best from the sport and the business world. We have some of the best consultants in the world, institutional consultants. So at the end of the day, you know, when you, like I said, it's, it's so empowering for me um, to hear the enthusiasm. And the day we launched 72 hours ago, you can, could not believe the excitement that was in the 50 plus people and all the other consultants we've had out there, which probably I would say would add up to over 100 plus people, uh, um, was just so resonatingly loud and uh, proud. It was just incredible. The, um, the, the site, Trump National Bedminster in New Jersey, is a terrific golf course having been there. Uh, it was, it's, it's hosted a U.S. Women's Open. It was poised to host a PGA Championship. Uh, and then that was, that was a decision made by the PGA of America to take it away from there. You have a relationship with President Trump. Did you intercede in that particular case to see his interest level in hosting? No, that, that, that was triggered by somebody else. When the conversations uh, started up, yes, obviously the president called me. I called him. Uh, we've been friends for a long, long period of time, pre his presidency. Um, so it was, it was a logical, natural conversation that two friends would have about the opportunities that lay ahead. He's passionate about the game of golf as well, too. Um, and I have not been to Bedminster, Gary. You asked me the question. I have not been there. Um, but I've heard all about it. Ron Cross gives me updates all the time um, on the facilities that we're going to. And each and every one of them have some pretty uh, you know, impressive resumes from, from the events that they've held at each, each of them. So I'm looking forward to seeing Bedminster. It's a quality, quality facility. It's um, it, 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 it 100% warrants um, having a, a professional tournament there or any high quality tournament there. So I'm looking forward to getting there. Uh, how about Doral? Another Trump property. You've won at Doral. Uh, mm -hmm. It's gone through several different incarnations, the last being Gil Hance. Um, possible that that could host the team championship in October? Yeah, we've got numerous facilities that want to come up. Again, going back to, um, going back to what I said previously, it's, an amazing, it's amazing to see the amount of interest and the desire for corporations and venues who wanted to get involved with us. And uh, Doral's just one of them, right? Uh, I mean, the, the, the Trump organization have got some incredible portfolio of golf courses out there, and they see the value of what Live uh, Invitational Series can bring to them. 
So, it, you know, yes, we're a uh, Trump Bedminster, but there are also a lot of other facilities out there that are you know, opening their arms up and saying, hey, hey, come and take a look at us. You know, you mentioned corporations. Uh, where are you on the sponsorship front and, and how much domestic United States sponsorship do you expect to have or, or intend to have? No, that's a, that's a great question, Gary. Um, my uh, CCO, Sean Bratches, he's in charge of all that. Um, he's, you know, equally as enthusiastic. I mean, he gives me an update on a daily basis. Monica Fee um, was also head of our sponsorship. Um, those two are uh, inundated on a daily basis. Uh, I'm not going to go into further details of that because I don't want to steal their thunder. But all I can tell you is um, our, our list of corporations who are wanting to come in and uh, with a high level of interest to in getting involved is, is pretty extensive. You know, Greg, a couple of years ago, when this came up for the very first time, um, I, I did as much research as, as I could to have this conversation for the first time because that, that Premier Golf League uh, had some Saudi investment. And, and the public investment fund, and by virtue of that, by extension, the sovereign wealth fund is one of the biggest funds in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and that, is, that, that is for those folks who don't know, and I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, to prepare for a post-oil dependent economy in Saudi Arabia, the crown prince came up with Vision 2030. To, to try to expand assets around the world. Many of them are in the United States. I know a number of companies that are involved, but with that comes this sticky wicket because of their human rights record. You know that this is a challenge for you, so how are you gonna just go ahead and address it front and center? Yeah, another great question, Gary. We're not gonna shirk away from any of these questions, right? Quite honestly, we're not a political organization. And what we've done and what the uh, PIF have done and what Saudi Arabia has done, like I said to you before, golf is good for the world and golf is good for Saudi Arabia. Um, To see what Saudi Arabia, go back to 2019, Gary, um, the Saudi internationals being played uh, on on, on Saudi soil and supported by a lot of great players from day one. And who was a co-sanctioning body then? It was the European Tour, right? So the KSAs and the PIF have done a phenomenal job in, of investing into women's golf through the LET. Just this week alone, it's the largest women's prize money, I believe, being paid, paid for in KSA today. So the investment um, into the game of golf has been incredible. And I'm proud of it. I, I'm not going to tell a lie. I'm, I'm proud of the fact that um, the, the PIF, uh, which is one of the largest wealth funds in the world, of investing into the game of golf, uh, not just in uh, professional golf for men, but in women, in, uh, in, in growing the game of golf in KSA. You mentioned the 2030 vision, right? It's incredible the amount of investments they're putting into building golf courses in their country to attract um, visitors to come there. Uh, it's just been a, a, a transformation that's been, you know, in my short career of going there, it's just been nothing short of just uh, admirable. Greg, there, there are a lot of people, whether it be media members, and I, I try to you know, talk to a lot of fans, and they, they have a lot of misgivings about it. Uh, they have a lot of misgivings about the source of the money. And you mentioned you're a startup. Not a lot of startups you know, have the kind of funding uh, that you have. Do you think that you would be further along or you'd already be in business playing golf tournaments if the money wasn't coming from Saudi Arabia? 
Um, no, not at all. I think we've just had to, you know, this this whole process to, to build this model, Gary, uh, to where we are today is taking a massive amount of effort, right? From, from intelligence uh, to putting it down with lawyers, to making sure the wording's right. It's taken a long, long period of time. It just doesn't happen overnight. So no, we wouldn't have been uh, any, you know, we wouldn't have been out there quicker than what we are just because of that reason. No, I mean, I, we, like I said, we are proud of the fact that we have this investment dollars for the game of golf and uh, we are going to utilize it. We're going to use it the best way we possibly can and give opportunities right across the board for the growth of the game of golf, for the, for the entertainment of the game of golf and for the fan base. You know, Greg, the, when you said we're not a political organization, that's fair. Um, but when the, when the money is coming directly from a government, and a government that has a relationship with this country, by the way, um, and, and whether it is, it, it is, you know, a strange bedfellow or not, the reality exists that, that it is. But, but the, the notion or the premise of sports washing, which exists around this world, uh, it's done. Um, and I'll ask you flat out, have you, ever, have you ever thought to yourself, whether it was at the outset or at any point, that this is a cosmetic investment to, to make them look more domesticated and civilized to the Western world? Uh, the simple answer to that is no, Gary. Look, I mean, I'm going to go back to what I said from the beginning. My passion for the game of golf and growing the game of golf is my priority, Right. And this is what we're doing right now. We're giving the players who are professional athletes the opportunity of playing for more and increasing their market value. This is all about the game of golf and growing the game of golf. So, you know, I, I, I'm not even going to go down that path of trying to get into a political discussion about it. I'm focused on growing the game of golf the best way I possibly can. End of story. The, um, the, the fields, let me get back to, to some of these guys who, who, who may or may not play. And, and, and I, I respect the confidentiality of, of protecting players that may already have, have made the commitment. Um, but let me ask you just in, in terms of number, going back to what Phil said, how debilitating was that to your roster? Guys like, and, and you don't have to confirm whether Bryson was committed or Dustin Johnson, because I know that you're not going to. What did your number, what was it before that weekend, and what was it when the weekend was over? Um, look, I'm not even going to go down that path. I, I don't think it was what Phil said anyway. It was the obstacles that the PGA Tour threw in our path. Um, you know, I don't think when you sit back, I think the players looked more at that, that obstacle that was laid down by the Tour. Um, so it wasn't like, to me, it wasn't Phil's comments at all. What, what, I mean, what specifically were the obstacles that they were laying down? I mean, from, from what I heard, they were, they were playing, it was hardball. So give me a, give me an, an example of the hardball that they were trying to play with you guys. Simple lifetime ban. If you go play for, um, live the, um, and I, I've, I've tried to, and this is a, this is a challenging one based on what you hear from your lawyers and i've heard this with respect to antitrust and and certainly with their position as a charity as a 501c6 um that this is not an easy solution as players who have by definition are independent contractors if a lifetime ban was was put on a player do you feel very confident that you guys could win in the court of law i know you don't want to go there but do you feel confident based on the language of the law that you would win that 
Well, the answer to that is yes. We have one of the best law firms in uh, the anti-competitive um, business uh, on our team. There's, the answer to that is yes. And if you, I've read a few of the op-eds that have been out there uh, that have popped up since this whole public uh, you know, notion that the tour is saying will ban players and ban them for life. Um, you know, people have stepped up to the plate and given their, their comments and opinions on it. And I've read those. And uh, they're very compelling and very supportive of what our belief is. So, um, you know, we hope we never have to go down that path, Gary. Like I said, you know, minutes and minutes ago, that, you know, sitting down and negotiating our way out of this is a much better path than sitting down there and going into a courtroom and just hashing it out. And that doesn't do anybody any favors. Does it does it matter if Jay gets back to you? Uh, You made the effort to reach out to him. Um, do you feel it necessary to have any type of dialogue or communication with him? Because certainly you said you've made the effort. Yeah, no question I made the effort. Um, We've reached out to him for over a year, Gary, over a year. I personally reached out to him just recently. So, and look, the reason why, Gary, is there's two sides to every story, right? Until, and they've had many, many conversations with many great players, for them to understand exactly what what live golf is all about. And when they sit down under an NDA and they hear and listen to our model, they go, oh, wow, this is totally different than what I've been told. I go, yeah, duh, right? Because until you know all the facts that are presented to you and understanding the options and the viabilities of how we can all work on this thing together, working shoulder to shoulder, you know, until you know those facts, then you shouldn't be making comments about it. And that's why I would love to sit down with Jay and walk him through with it. And I have had conversations with the highest of end of people. I've my people have had conversations with other institutions, right? Of in, in the golfing world. So when you understand what is there, it's a different story. And that's why I hope Jay says, Yeah, well, let's let's have, go have a conversation. Let's not just put a stake in the ground and say, this is the way it is, and we're going to ban players for life. Uh, that's not the way you go about it. You've got to understand exactly what's on the other side of the fence, part of the negotiation and anything in the business world. You both of you sit at a table. You understand exactly what the negotiating points are about. You understand exactly where you are, what you have, what you've got, and then you work. And then you get up from that table, and you, you, you just walk away, and you shake hands and say, okay, see, we're fine. We, we'll work our way around this. And that's that's why I'd love to sit down with Jay and have a conversation with him. Greg, do you think that you're you're fighting more than just the PGA Tour or you're being challenged by more than just the PGA Tour? And, and I say that for this reason. And you know all these people, whether it's Martin Slumbers at the RNA, uh, it's now Mike Wan at the USGA. You know Seth Waugh, the PGA of America. Uh, Augusta National has a massive voice in the game of golf. Uh, do you get the sense that they are also a deterrent for what you're trying to do? Um, no, I'm not going to say yes or no to that, Gary. I, I just know that um, the, what we're doing and what we're hearing coming from, comes from the PGA Tour, and, and we'll just leave it with that. You know, they're, they're the ones who put the obstacles down in front of us. The other ones have not. If, if hypothetically, the, the, let's say, um, again, if the PGA Tour wants to issue a lifetime ban, look, you have guys who, who – and, and, you know, playing in major championships is a big deal. Uh, you know, you're a two-time major champion. 
If Augusta National told a past champion they wouldn't be invited back, that'd be a hell of a deterrent, would it not, if they played in your series? And why would they do that? Yeah, I was just going to say, why would they do that? Why would they hurt themselves by diluting their field? Just because a guy wants to go give himself an opportunity as an independent contractor to increase his market value? It doesn't make any logical sense. And number two is, if a player is qualified, legitimately qualified for any event, I mean, how do you unqualify that person? You know, so you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, you, you can look into it in any different type of prism you want to. Uh, but from a player's perspective, uh, I would sit back and say, what have I done wrong here? And just say, you know, go from there. So I hope it never gets down to that, that position, Gary, because golf doesn't need that. Players don't need that. The, the, the majors are the majors. They should all be Switzerland because the players want to go play in them. And if they start banning players from, from the major championships, like I said, they're diluting their own market value, which is would be you know, a bit of a interesting, strange decision. You, you, you said it would be illogical, and on the surface it would be, but it gets me back to this, and not to be redundant, um, but look, whether it's protecting the PGA Tour and these relationships, which I think are as, as healthy as far as dialogue between these five families, so to speak, as maybe they've ever been, um, I personally think it's the Saudi connection myself, just my perspective, um, that they, they are really, they struggle with digesting that in a country uh, that sees, you know, a journalist from the Washington Post and U.S. intelligence supported this, uh, that, that he was murdered. Um, these are very difficult things for whether it be the consumer, a corporate sponsor uh, to deal with. I think it's your biggest challenge. Well, look, you're, you're entitled to your opinion, uh, Gary, and um, you know, I respect that. But at the end of the day, what happened to the journalist with Khashoggi is reprehensible. There's not a person on this planet that wouldn't say the same thing. So, uh, you know, from my perspective, I'm not getting into this political you know, dialogue and you can have your opinion and I'm staying focused on what I'm doing and growing the game of golf and, and investing into the players, giving the players opportunities, continue to invest into other uh, sectors of the game of golf um, you know, that, that we see um, have not been focused in on, whether it's the Asian tour and maybe even the women's golf like a Ramco series is doing right now. There's an incredible amount of uh, uh, opportunities out there and paths forward where investment in it will grow the game of golf on a global basis. The, um, the, the, Greg, the, the, the media rights, um, people want to see this. This is an entertainment product. Will mm. you have a domestic television or digital media partner by the time of the first event? Well, you'll have to speak to Sean Bratches on that one. We have, <laughs> we have got numerous NDAs signed by... OTT and linear organizations, right? We have, like I said, no different about the sponsorships that we have out there. We have a massive amount of interest. And from a media rights deal, it's no different. Um, there are opportunities out there because of the, you know, the way things are in this day and age with streaming and things like that. We, we're, we have a pathway forward because we're a commercial organization to explore any and everything that we possibly can. And that's where we are today. And, and Sean Bratches did a phenomenal job for uh, Formula One uh, with growing that, uh, that sport from where it was to where it is today. Um, he's got the bit between his teeth and he's loving where he is at, he is at right now. The, um, the, the idea of profitability, um, what does your model show you 
in terms of how quickly you can be profitable? Uh, look, that's that's private, Gary. Our, our profitability um, uh, numbers are, are very healthy. Um, we were actually just going over it this morning again as well, too, um, at, at around 6.30 this morning, uh, going over the numbers. So we're very, very comfortable and com uh, confident of delivering the, the IRR that the investor is looking for. Um, but a couple last things before I let you go, and I appreciate the time, is um, getting back to field, uh, June 9th to the 11th. And a couple of things particular about, about this when it comes to the blood and guts of, a, of, of elite golf. We know, we know elite golf to be 72 holes. Uh, these players uh, value world ranking points. Uh, do you expect to have world ranking points available in a no-cut 54-hole event? Yeah, no, absolutely. We're going to be applying for OWGR points. Um, the Asian Tour is the first one to step up uh, to be one of the sanctioning bodies. We want every tour to be uh, part of the sanctioning of our uh, invitational series. So, you know, we have a call actually in uh, 14 minutes um, just on this very subject on OWGR. And uh, so we, we're very, very confident. We may not have it the first tournament, uh, but we're, we're confident because of the criteria and eligibility of the players of who will be playing uh, will allow us to get it. This may seem frivolous, but to me, as, as a geek, about, you know, guys coming down the stretch and you have shotgun starts and you have two guys tied for the lead, one's finishing on 11, one's finishing on 18. You know how important decision-making is. Um, how much of a challenge was that for you to accept the idea of this field finishing simultaneously in a highly competitive elite professional golf event? Well, you know, another great question, Gary. And if you sat in our production meetings, which we have every day at 10, at 11 o'clock, every day, um, you, can't, you couldn't believe the excitement of the producers and the directors we have on today. We have, we are one of the best consultants in the world of sport. And that's David, David Hill. Hill. David Hill, yep. right? Every day, I get emails from him every day. I got one from him yesterday talking about the opportunities about this shotgun start and the excitement it can deliver of golf balls in the air all at the same time and how you're going to deliver it. Just because we've been seeing it through one lens for the last 53 years, it doesn't mean to say that has to be the way it is. And when you think about from a player's perspective, a fan perspective, you just think about what happened at the TPC with the weather, right? So you know, if you got caught on the wrong side of the draw, you were pretty much out of that tournament. The same happens at the British Open. So we're taking that type of element out by having a shotgun start. You think about the four and a half hours, you think from a production standpoint, the viewers who want to watch it, it's going to be electrifying for them because they're going to be so much action going on all the time. And they're going to have the ability to, to watch whichever player they want to watch. You don't have to just say, just because the director's focusing on one or two players, that's all you see. You can have the ability to see every player on that golf course. Let's get back to this first event. Um, just to make it clear, and you've been clear uh, about about this field, there will be 48 players outside of London on June 9th to play in this first event. Come hell or high water, you're going to have 48 players in that field. We don't know who they are. When will we have a sense of a field list? Do you have a, do you have a date there? Um, I would say by the, the invitations start getting sent out here very, very shortly. Um, and then obviously, you know, you got to look at the, the present day criteria, right? Let's just say a player wants to go play and uh, he has three releases on the PGA Tour. He, he might use one or two of those releases to, to get uh, approval to go play. 
It may be London, maybe Bedminster, maybe somewhere else, right? So then the PGA Tour has to give him an answer 30 days before that event. So, you know, that's just giving you an idea about the timelines, Gary. So I would say that, you know, you, the media, look, we have an incredible comms team as well, too, led by Ari Fleischer. He's one of our consultants. Uh, he's been brilliant in his, his strategy about how we've gone with our comms team. So we're going to be delivering messages about what's happening. It's not just going to say, okay, we launched and then we're going to go dark. We're going to continually be uh, informing everybody about the progress and what we're doing. So, you know, I just encourage you to just stay tuned to our website and uh, you'll see what's going on. Last thing, uh, and you've been, uh, you know, steadfast about the objective of growing the game. And I mean this respectfully. People who have had a profile like you've had for your entire adult life, relevancy matters to people. It, it matters more to others. Um, you don't need to do this, and I understand the desire to want to do this, uh, but to, to, to any degree, do you need to do this? Um, I have never been so invigorated in my life as what I am right now, Gary. Even my CEO, my, the CFO of my company, Greg Norman Company, um, everybody's saying the same thing. Greg, you, you come, you look invigorated. You, you're up, you've got so much energy about you. You look excited, you look happy, you look relaxed. It's just amazing people are seeing this difference in me as a person. Um, and I took this on with a lot of, you know, obviously with a lot of seriousness, Gary, you, you, you mentioned, because as I looked at, look back on my life in the world of the game of golf, there's been this glaring void or hole right, where the game of golf really hasn't evolved the way I see it in my mind, right? It's not saying that I'm right or my wrong. I just see it a different way. No different than me seeing things about, you know, uh, identifying virgin space like Shark Experience that's on golf carts with my partnership with Verizon and Club Car. I identified that virgin space and went after it for a reason. I invested in it because I was passionate about being able to bring technology to the players out there who jump in a golf cart and play golf every day, right? So now we've got 20 odd, 5,000, maybe close to 30,000 screens on golf carts out there that people enjoy. My point is, Gary, my point is I see these things. I understand these things. I see the opportunity that we can give back to the game of golf, to the everyday person who plays the game of golf. I'm invigorated. I'm passionate about it. Do I need it? I don't know. I mean, I could have retired, but you know what? Where I see this going for the next five, seven, 10, 15 years down the road, I am going to enjoy every step of every second of this journey. Greg, I know you got another call. I, I, I appreciate the time. I know it's precious. Thank you for doing this. All right. Thanks, Gary. Well, I appreciate again, as I said to him, uh, Greg Norman's time. And one of the challenging things, uh, I think, for him, but I can't speak for him, I can only speak for myself, is, is trying to get answers to, to difficult questions. And, and one of the things that I do believe, as I expressed to him, his biggest challenge is going to be where the money is coming from. Now we wait, as we've been waiting for who's going to play and what the ramifications are for players who are members of the PGA Tour. 
We have a schedule. He said flat out they will play June 9th to the 11th outside of London, and they will have 48 players. Who they're going to be remains to be seen. But I appreciate him taking the time, and more importantly, I appreciate you taking the time to listen and watch to this Five Clubs conversation. Next week, the man has been the voice and the face on a television side of the Masters Tournament, which is only three weeks away. Jim Nance will be joining me on the Five Clubs Conversation. Have a great day, everybody.